getting good, true rest is a little bit difficult these days. Uh, maybe you can relate to this. I find this thing happens to me, and uh, Olivia's in here. She can t- attest to this. Uh, whenever I have a particularly busy season or a busy week or whatever, I find myself just stumbling into whatever time off I end up having. Like I, maybe I've, it's, a t- it's a day off or a week off or whatever, but I'm just like going, 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 and then a moment I have like time off, I'm like, all right, rest. Like, come on, rest, come on, refresh, get, get, a, you know, get recharged, you gotta rest, you gotta, and I'm back to work again. Like, that's kind of how it feels. The whole time off is just like this, this nonstop uh, attempt to try to force myself to rest. Or, or maybe you can relate to this, uh, when you try to rest by doing those things that are just not actually that recharging, like, like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play some video games for a little bit, or I'm just gonna look at TikTok for four hours later. You're like, oh no, what just happened? You know, that wasn't recharging at all. That kind of thing happens to me all the time. Maybe I'm the only one, but I could say it's pretty fair. It's a fair thing to say that it is difficult to get good rest these days. The pace of this modern life that we're living, the, 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 just the relentless pace of it, it can be exhausting, right? We, we are tired people. We're stressed. We're anxious. Sometimes it feels like we are being ground into dust, by this life. Does that, does that resonate with you at all? It feels like we're being ground into dust. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if there was a, an alternative, another way to live? Would you want that? Would I want that? Yeah, I think I would. Well, spoiler alert, there is another way. There is another way to live and In fact, I think it's an idea that's weaving throughout the entire Bible and it is just waiting for us to take it seriously. And that idea is called Sabbath. And Sabbath, I believe it could be the key to us finding rest in these hectic times. So that's why we're talking about Sabbath all this month. Uh, this series that we're in is called Breathe. Breathe. Uh, we named the series after one of our seven church values, the things that are really important to us. And here's how we put it in our value statement. Breathe. We will not be ground into dust by this life. We at Grace, we long to be refreshed by Jesus, to pursue what makes us healthy, and to practice the spiritual disciplines of solitude, silence, and Sabbath rest. So that's what we long for, but last week, my dad did a great job setting up what the problem is, what's keeping us from that. Uh, we are worried and anxious people, he said. We are, the, the, the speed and the pace of our life is increasing all the time. We don't get nearly enough sleep, and we are being sabotaged, sabotaged all the time by our devices, by our technology, by by social media. We're being digitally sabotaged. No wonder with all those things going on, no wonder we don't know how to rest. No wonder we we don't know how how to breathe. But again, there is another way. So let's get into it. What is Sabbath? And is there really something in this ancient book that can actually help us in these modern, hectic times? Well, let's find out, but before we do that, I'm gonna pray for us. Father God, I pray, uh, first and foremost, that in these moments together, we would hear you clearly. I pray that I would disappear, that your Holy Spirit would remain. But Father, more than that, I pray that in this, in this uh, day, in this week, in this, this month, this whole series, I pray that you would open our eyes to what rest is really on offer for us. Would you give us a vision of what our lives could be 
if we were to truly trust you enough to say yes to this, this new approach to live. I pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's begin with a pretty basic question. What does Sabbath mean? It's, a, it's, a, it's not an English word. What does it mean? Well, the Sabbath or the Sabbath day is, that's it. That's in its most basic form. It is a day once a week, the seventh day of the week, in which the Israelites, the people of God in Scripture, were expected, commanded to rest completely. On the Sabbath, the Israelites were not allowed to plow their fields. They were not allowed to harvest food. They couldn't travel. It was a day of complete and total rest for the people. And in fact, today, Jewish communities still observe the Sabbath. On, from basically sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, it is a day when nobody works. They, they spend the time, Jewish communities will spend the time worshiping together and eating together and resting, but not working. That's what the day is for. But in Scripture, as I hope to kind of show us over the next few weeks, in Scripture, the idea of Sabbath, it goes way beyond more than just a a, a communal day off, all right? It goes way deeper than that. There are threads with Sabbath that have to do with justice for the poor and the marginalized, with the the health of the land, with with, uh, our, our relationship between humanity and our Creator. There are all kinds of different aspects and nuances, and those are the concepts that I want us to to talk about in this series. I'll put it this way. The end result of this series, I don't want it to be that we all just kind of try a little harder to be better on our days off. That's not what I really want here. What I want is for all of us as Grace Church to begin thinking differently about a Sabbath way of life that we are being called into. That's what I want us to think about. An idea, uh, a way of life that can change everything for us, especially in these hectic, chaotic times. All right, so let's today explore just the basic concept of the Sabbath day in Scripture and see if we can uh, look at the command itself in the law of Moses and and see what we can understand, not just about the law, but about the spirit behind the law. All right, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 5, so please grab a Bible so you can take a look at what I'm I'm reading here. It's going to be page uh, 154 in the House Bibles. I'd love it if you would read along with me. This is the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. It shows up also in Exodus 20, a little bit different. That would be a whole interesting other sermon, but instead we're just going to look at this one because I don't have the time. Deuteronomy 5. So let me give you a little bit of context if you're not familiar with the overall storyline. The people of Israel, when God uh, first kind of comes on the scene for the people of Israel as a nation, they are enslaved to mighty Egypt. They are the, the slaves of Egypt, and, and the Egyptians are oppressing them. They are forcing them to, to toil away, to work uh, in the hot sun, making bricks for Pharaoh day after day after day. You could say that in their slavery, they are being ground into dust by, by the Egyptians. That's kind of their, their plight. But God rescues them out of slavery, and not only does he rescue them from, from their slavery, but he then moves them and plants them in the promised land the so-called promised land. And from the very beginning, uh, it's clear that God has something special in mind for these people, the Israelites. He doesn't just want to rescue them from slavery. He also wants to form them into uh, what what he calls a holy nation. Holy just means set apart, different from, from everything else. He wants them to be one of a kind, unique, for this reason. God wants the Israelites to show all the other nations on earth what's actually possible. 
He wants them to show and demonstrate that there is another way to live, to restore humanity back to God's intentions. And so Sabbath is a significant part of that that living differently that God is calling them into, as, as are the rest of the Ten Commandments. So, okay, let's read this. Verse 12 of Deuteronomy 5 God says this to the Israelites. He says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, by keeping it unique and set apart, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. <clears throat> All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Okay, so there it is. That's the, the Sabbath day command. A couple of things to point out here. Uh, first of all, the word Sabbath in Hebrew, it's Shabbat. That's the, the word Shabbat. And it literally means to stop, to stop, to put something to an end, to, to cease activity. That's what Sabbath means. So, so six other days of the week, so to speak, you're in the grind, you're wringing profit out of the earth, but on the Sabbath day, on Shabbat, you stop. You stop working and you rest, whether you want to or not, right? It's, it's, it's a set day. You have to stop if you're an Israelite. But this, this stop day, this Sabbath day, it's not just for you, ancient Israelite. Look, look at this. Look at verse 14. It's for everybody, right? This day of rest is for your children, for the people who work for you, your servants and, sl and slaves in their case, even your livestock, Everybody has to rest. The whole community stops working. It's a stop day for everyone. And why is God making this demand? Why does he tell the Israelites they have to do this? Well, verse 15, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. In other words, remember, you were being ground into dust by work. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder every single week that God has rescued you and you are no longer in chains. That's what, that's what it's all about. But there is another, there's another layer to this that I don't want us to miss because I think it's really important. God tells them, reminds them, remember, you were slaves in Egypt for another reason. It was not just to remember. It's also because he knows about human nature. And he knows what's going to happen when the Israelites set up shop in the promised land. He knows that when they're working in their own fields and they're, they're uh, raising their own livestock and they're making their own bricks, he knows what they're going to be prone to. He knows that they would, it would be very easy for them to find themselves once more enslaved. Now, not enslaved to a foreign nation, but enslaved to the demands of work enslaved to the demands of profit, enslaved by the cruel taskmasters of hunger and survival. Yes, they may be technically free people, but they can still find themselves in chains, being ground into dust by this life. He knows that this is human nature because this is part of the human condition. Everybody struggles with this. We all struggle by being enslaved by the demands of work, but why is Israel called by God to be set apart, right? To be holy, to be different. 
They are supposed to show God's intentions to the world, to show the world there's another way to live. And so Sabbath is a part of that, a day to stop the grind completely, a day where work is not even an option, where there is no profit to be had, a day of trust that God is going to meet your needs. So you can see right out of the gate that this day, this Sabbath day, is way more than just like a day off to recharge your batteries. There's way more going on here. No, the Sabbath is a protest, a protest against the forces of this world that would seek to keep the people in chains. It's a protest. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but you're not anymore. Work, profit, survival, they are not your masters. You're free. So, okay, that is the, the Sabbath day command, put very, very simply. That's, that's it, and there's more we could get into. Uh, like I said, Exodus 20 has a different take on exactly why Sabbath happens. We'll talk about that more in a couple weeks. Suffice it to say, that's the Sabbath, but there's a lot more under the surface. This is just the tip of the iceberg about how Sabbath rest plays out in the, in the life of the people. And we're going to get more into that in the weeks to come. But for now, for now, with what we just learned, I want us to ask this. What are we supposed to do with this command in our own lives? What do we do with the, the, the command to, to, to rest once a week on the Sabbath? Are we supposed to start practicing the Sabbath in our own lives like the rest of the, like the law of Moses commands? Is that what we're supposed to be doing and we're just missing it? Well, first of all, I think the answer has to be no because I don't think it's even possible anymore. Literally, I don't think it's possible for us to practice the Sabbath the way that the, the law of Moses commands. Not even possible. Here's why. I mean, sure, we might be able to, to all agree on a unified day off. We might all say, okay, nobody's going to do any work on Sundays. We're all going to be off or whatever. I mean, I'm going to have to work, right? First of all, that's not, it doesn't matter. I wasn't even thinking about that. But you, we might even say, we might say, yes, we're all going to be off on a specific day of the week. But what is verse 14 command? It commands that everyone, everyone rests as we do. Are we able to guarantee that? Can we guarantee that, that everybody in our community can rest? And here's what I mean by this. I don't just mean like our employees, if we have them, but the people who work for us. What about the garment manufacturers in Bangladesh who made this shirt? Right? Can they rest when we rest? What about the, uh, the, the coal miners who, who help with our electricity? Do they get to rest when we do? Uh, what about your sons and daughters? It says your sons and daughters are supposed to rest. What if they live in another state? Are they supposed to join in too? Do they have to do it? What about their community? How about the livestock? Do the dairy cows get a day off? Do the sheep who provide the wool for your suit get to rest? You, you see what I'm saying. We are not subsistence farmers in rural, in rural Israel. Our community is global. It just is. So what do we do? Because this is one of the Ten Commandments, and we sure follow the other ones. Don't murder. Don't, don't commit adultery. That, like That makes sense to us. But what do we do with this one? What do we do with this? Well, here's where I think Jesus comes into the picture. Because if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you see that he took the law of Moses, but he blew it up into a, a, a far more significant spirit behind the law. For example, uh, he says, you've heard that the, the law says don't murder anybody, right? I say don't even hate anybody. 
right? He blows it up. He says that hate is, is even far harder to do than murder, uh, right? Or far, far harder not to do than murder. Uh, he, says, he says, you know, the law says don't commit adultery. Well, I say don't even lust because you might as well be committing adultery if you're lusting, right? That, that is an extreme uh, extrapolation of the spirit of the law. Well, what does he say about Sabbath? The law says that you should obey the Sabbath day. What do I say? Well, we talked about this last week. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. You see, I believe Jesus, by saying that, by saying not to worry, he is inviting us not just to practice a day of Sabbath once a week, a day of Sabbath rest. I think he is inviting us to turn Sabbath rest into a lifestyle, to turn Sabbath into a a way of living. He's calling us to be a holy people set apart from the world who live free from the shackles of work. Imagine who are no longer enslaved by, the, by, by profit or survival, who are free from the taskmasters of, of, of our time that seek to grind us into dust with worry and stress and anxiety. We are called to be the kinds of people who carry on the mission of the Israelites, to be set apart, to be different, and to show the world what God's intentions for our lives really are. Another way to live. I believe Jesus is inviting us into a Sabbath way of life, a Sabbath way of life. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Remember, you were once slaves in Egypt. You are free. Live free. Again, there's a lot to unpack, a lot to unpack here. But for today, what are we supposed to do? What are we gonna do with this? We'll get practical. We'll talk in the next few weeks about some very specific things that you could be doing, but here's what I want us to do today. I want us to start with some self-evaluation, to look at our own lives a little bit and ask ourselves, how are we doing with all of this? And I've actually got three encouragements for you, Uh, encouragements in the sense of I encourage you to do this, not in the sense of like, oh, just be encouraged, everything's great. It's not great. We're all miserable. I'm gonna give you some encouragements of what to go and think about, right? Uh, we're not all miserable. You get the, anyway, here, here we go. So here are three, three things for you to think about. And I want you to think about and pray about these things this week. I kept them nice and short so you can remember them. The first one that I want you to think about is this. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. A big part of understanding the biblical call to Sabbath, to a Sabbath way of life, is understanding the forces that are seeking to rob us of it. So I'm asking... What is it that's grinding you into dust? What work, so to speak, is trying to master you? What are you enslaved to? What's got you in chains? Now, for the Israelites, and maybe for some of you, it really is a matter of of, of survival. Work is, is what you do to survive. If I don't work, if I don't put in the hours, if I don't till my fields, so to speak, I'm not gonna eat. Maybe that's what it is for you. But maybe, maybe for some of you, your job is like a taskmaster to you. It's like if you don't keep grinding, uh, it's got this relentless pressure. Keep pushing, keep going, keep working overtime. Keep getting promotions because if you don't, then you're not gonna have a job. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe, maybe this, this 
this search for money, it really is just coming from a place of greed. Maybe you keep on hustling for another dollar because you want more money. Maybe that's what's got you grounded to dust. So every day, whatever it is, work has got you grinding and grinding and grinding and it never seems to stop. It never seems to let up. Is work, literal work, is that your enemy? Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's TikTok. Maybe it's YouTube or the, the, the endless scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Does that have you in chains? Does the, is the algorithm your slave master right now? Are you doing what it tells you to do? Because it's not going to let up. There's a reason why we're so oppressed by anxiety when this ceaseless algorithm is demanding your time and attention daily. Maybe it's the constant demands on your reputation. You've got a reputation to upkeep. You've got, you've got to work tirelessly day after day to maintain your image. You don't want anyone to think less of you, so you work and you work and you work, and it grinds you to dust. Or maybe, maybe it's not your reputation, or maybe it's partially your reputation. Maybe it has to do with the expectations that you're placing on your kids, Right? You think, if I don't keep them in every extra, extracurricular activity, if I don't get them in all the right programs, if I don't fill their time with, with useful things, then not only are they going to fail at life, but everyone's going to think I'm a bad parent, right? Maybe that's the expectation that's just grinding you down. Is it expectations for your kids? What is it that is grinding you into dust? Know your enemy. Again, I want you to do some self-reflection this week. Maybe you already know, but maybe you need to take a bit of time to work through this. Because when God says that he wants you to experience rest, true rest, this is what he's talking about. Freedom from these things that are, that are oppressing us. Sabbath is a protest against the forces that would keep you in chains. So first, if you want to experience Sabbath rest, you've got to know what you're up against. Know your enemy. Second, you've got to learn how to trust in God. Trust in God. If you think about what Sabbath meant for the ancient Israelites, just try to put yourself in their mindset as an as a ancient subsistence farmer. Imagine that you've got to work every single day as hard as you can to, to get as much food out of the ground as possible, otherwise your family's not going to eat, right? Now imagine you've got seven days that you could be doing that, and then God tells you to wait and not work on one of those days. No work at all. Think about how much trust it would require for you to just not go out and till your fields, not go out and deal with the weeds, not go out and harvest those grapes that are ripe. Imagine the trust that it would require for you to do that to live that way. If you're going to give up one out of every seven possible work days to Sabbath, then you've got to trust that God is going to come through for you and make up the gap. Like, you've you got to trust that God's going to be the one to keep the weeds at bay on that day, that he's going to maximize your yields, that he's going to keep the raccoons out of the corn while you're resting, right? Okay, I know, yes, raccoons and corn, not native species to Israel. I get it, all right? Just whatever. Uh, donkeys out of your chickpeas. Use whatever, whatever you need, all right? You get the point. You get the point. This requires trust. In fact, this, this idea of trusting in God to come through for you, frankly, this is the big idea for this whole series. Sabbath, at its core, Sabbath is a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust. Sabbath means trusting that when you say no, when you stop the demands of this world, when you stop letting your enemy wrap you in chains, even just for a day, even just for a moment, when that's your posture, 
you trust that God is going to bless you for doing it, that he's gonna come through for you. Now look, maybe for you, especially those of you who are very oppressed by work, maybe it does mean actually literally protecting a day once a week for you to not work. And I'm talking like turning off the notifications from your work emails and not responding to calls from your boss. Like I know that's terrifying. It takes trust. It takes trust that somehow you're gonna be more productive the rest of the week. Trust that he's gonna give you grace with the people who are demanding your time. This takes trust. Maybe it means, okay, I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Maybe it means saying no to that promotion. That promotion that is gonna give you more money but it's also gonna demand more of you. It's gonna grind you even harder. It's gonna be even harder for you to take a breath during the week. Maybe it means saying no and trusting that God is gonna stretch the money that you already have, that he's gonna bless you with more energy and joy and life if you say no. Maybe that's what it looks like. That takes trust. You gotta trust. Maybe, if maybe you're in a time of, maybe this, these things are coming together. You've got uh, an issue of, of uh, need. You, you're having trouble making ends meet, but you also have a reputation that you're concerned about. Maybe for you, trusting in God is going to our care center, using the pantry to help meet your needs and, and allowing the body of Christ to care for you and trusting that you're not gonna experience shame while you go. That takes trust. That takes trust not to depend on yourself. Or if your enemy is, is social media or TikTok or YouTube or whatever, maybe Sabbath is choosing to protect an hour every day or a day a week or at some point where you just don't touch your phone at all. And, and trusting that God is gonna use that time to unclutter your mind, that he's gonna bless it and you're not gonna miss the latest happenings of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Like you'll be fine for an hour. Maybe that's what it means. It requires trust. If you're enslaved to online shopping, if that's something that, that grinds you into dust, maybe Sabbath means taking a month off from buying anything new at all and trusting that God's gonna help you be satisfied with the things you already have. Or maybe, getting back to that whole expectations on your kids stuff, maybe Sabbath means giving your kids a summer to be bored. Let them be bored. Don't fill up all their time and trust that they're still gonna get into perfectly good colleges someday. <laughs> it takes trust. You get the idea. I want you to think about this because you gotta know your enemy, but you've also gotta be willing to take the plunge and trust. But then when you do, whatever that looks like, whatever that Sabbath way of life begins to look like in your life, here's what I, the last encouragement I wanna give you. When you begin to rest, settle in. Settle in. In Deuteronomy 5, uh, the word rest in Hebrew is a Hebrew word, nuach, nuach, which means that was, I'm not a literal uh, Hebrew speaker, so I'm not sure if that's how you actually pronounce it, nuach. Uh, but it means to settle in, to rest, to wait somewhere. And, and when, I, when, this, when I hear this word, I don't think of it as, um, it's not so much just like resting in the sense of like taking a nap, although maybe that's restful for you, but I think of it more as like settling in on the couch to read a great book or settling in by a bonfire to just like, just you know, be there and be present with nature or whatever. That's what I think of, settling in. When you're settling in to, to that kind of a, of a space, the, the rest is not something that you're generating yourself. 
Like you can't force yourself to rest. I was joking about that at the beginning. You can't just will rest into your life. What you can do is create space and allow rest to happen to you. You can create space for God to to move and he will be the one to give you rest. You settle in to his presence. You settle in and you let him refresh you. That is a Sabbath way of life. Jesus said it himself perfectly. He said, come to me. Come to me. Settle in with me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You don't generate it yourself. I will give it to you. A Sabbath kind of life is one where we routinely, regularly go to Jesus, where we settle in to his presence while silencing the demands of our enemies Even for a moment, we stop the grind. We Shabbat, we Sabbath, and we settle in. And that, that is when we find true rest for our souls. Know your enemy. Trust in God and settle in. I want to speak personally for a moment, very personally, because... This series comes at a pretty unique time in my own life and ministry journey. I am being gifted by you, whether you know it or not, with a sabbatical. Uh, Every seven years at Grace, for many years we've done this, uh, our our church leaders, our staff leaders are gifted with a sabbatical. In my case, it'll be a 12-week sabbatical starting right after Memorial Day. And uh, it's kind of crazy to think, but I've been a pastor here for seven years. Uh, It's wild that that's already happened so quickly. Time flies when you're running a church, I guess. Um, And I just want to talk about that just briefly because I think it applies to all of this. First of all, thank you. Thank you. What an incredible gift. I don't take it lightly. Oh, thank you. Applaud yourselves. Thank you very much, guys. Good job, Grace Church. No, uh, I, take this, I take this responsibility very, very seriously because I know that many, many <clears throat> people do not have anything like this that they can uh, have this kind of extended rest. But I also understand why we've done this as a church, why this is something that we've uh, given or asked of or even required of our pastors and our leaders is because ministry does have a unique burden uh, that, that you have to carry. I mean, shoot, I became lead pastor in June of 2020. Was there anything else going on in the world in June of 2020 other than a global pandemic and the George Floyd protests, and and here at Grace, going into a time of financial challenges, which led to this massive restructure that I had to lead us through. So I'm I'm very grateful. (laughs) I'll say that. I I do need it. My tanks, uh, while they are refilling, my tanks are still a little low, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a time to actually stop the grind and rest and be refreshed and, and find life while settling into the presence of Jesus. But here's the deal. This is a gift for me. It's also a challenge. And this series is as much for me as it is for anybody. This is a challenge for me because I'll tell you what my enemy is, and I'm sure it's the enemy of every church pastor that's out there, of every church, but my enemy is the idea that any of this depends on me. It doesn't, right? It's not, I'm not Grace Church, you are. I'm just here as, a, as an instrument of God, but it is very tempting all the time to think, what if I don't, if I don't show up and lead that meeting, then how is, it gonna, how is it gonna go? What about the sermons? Who's gonna be giving the sermons? I get, it's easy for me to believe that it depends on me, but guys, it doesn't, and so going on sabbatical for me is an opportunity to put this to the test and begin attempting to live a Sabbath kind of life, to trust 
that when I come back, Grace Church will be more on fire and more in a good way and exciting and, and that things are gonna be okay. And I'm speaking to myself here. Things are going to be fine while I'm gone. And in that time, to take that space to just commune with God, to rest in his presence and allow myself to be refreshed. So I'm gonna be learning as I go and I'm looking forward to coming back and comparing notes with you guys as we spend a summer working at being sabbatical kind of people, Sabbath kind of people in the name of Jesus. All right, let me pray for us. Father God, I know this is a, hot, this is a high call for all of us. We are living in a very hectic time and yet, Father, I truly believe that you want us not just to experience rest, but to demonstrate rest to the world around us, to show the world that, that there is another way to live. That's why we're here, to demonstrate your intentions. And so, Father, knowing that we need some remedial work on this, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would inspire us and strengthen us and give us wisdom to see our own lives for what you see them as. I pray that we would identify the enemies in our life that are grinding us into dust, and I pray most of all, Father, that you would remind us that we are free and that you are longing to sweep in and bless us and knock our socks off if we would just trust, if we would just trust in you. Father, would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you give us courage? And would you give us rest, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us/hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.